The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. This is the Big Six Podcast, and uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you might realize that it's also uh, Halloween, so uh, something I see for friends, of course, and I don't like to do this because some of us will get off on tangents, but uh, I'll give you each 10 seconds to tell us who you are if people are driving around wondering what Breach and Brinson are dressed up as. Uh, Breach, I'll let you go first because I think people watching know who Brinson is, and he's actually gone as Will Brinson. Uh, well, I can't tell you who I am because we don't talk about this person, but he's from Encanto. Boom! My daughter okay. is Maribel, and I'm. We don't talk game. about boo. No, no, no. Brinson, I gotta take a shot now. Okay, take a <laughs> shot. And uh, Brinson, you are a, a golfer. Are you a specific golfer? Or are you Will Brinson on a Saturday afternoon? Who are you? I just uh, walked through the house and tried to find something that um, would qualify as a as a uh, as a costume since it's Halloween. That's Breach called, goes uh, all out. Yeah, and he I just grab stuff. I'm dressed as myself. He's Will Mickelson. Are you, um, Wickles. I like your Joe Rogan outfit, Wilson. I'm flashing the guns. <laughs> Jeez, dude. Are you if you're watching, no, it's, it's the, uh, the oh angle of the camera. God. I appreciate it. The angle uh, of the camera. It's the steroids, Wilson. It is. The I steroids. just felt like wearing sunglasses during the podcast to be perfectly honest. By the way, you missed an easy layup. I'm going as Robert Sala. <laughs> All right, let's go. Well, That's well you're. <laughs> Actually, you're really, you're really more like going like uh, Brian Dable based on your time management since you got off HQ. <laughs> it was a whole thing. Uh, that, of course, is Will Brenton. That's John Breach. I'm Ryan Wilson. This is the Sunday Super Friends Week 8 Recap 2023 Edition. Uh, just to remind you folks who uh, have forgotten or if you're listening for the first time, there's a plan in case you're new. We're going to hit our top 10 takeaways from Week 8. The biggest plays, the best players, some missed calls, uh, a lot of Joe Burrow returning to form for John Breach. Um, so that's going to be fun. First things first, give us a thumbs up if you're watching on the old YouTube at NFL CBS. And of course, subscribe where we get your podcast. All right, let's get to it. Uh, since they changed the schedule to 17 games, we are now officially 47% of the way through the 2023 season. And Sunday, we're talking about children's uh, Halloween costumes. This is a children's book here. It was a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day for a lot of quarterbacks around the league. Kirk Cousins may have torn his Achilles, which would mean his year is over. Kenny Pickett, Matthew Stafford, Tyra Taylor all gave way to their respective backups. Mr. Trubisky, Brett Rippon, and Tommy DeVito, if you keep his court home. So, Breach, let's start in Minnesota. Two weeks ago, we were all talking about how the Vikings were going to have a fire sale, whether it was Daniil Hunter or the aforementioned Kirk Cousins getting traded. Then they beat the 49ers on Monday Night Football, that game no one saw coming. Worked over the, Patri- uh, excuse me, the Packers today on Sunday. Now they're at 4-4, four and four, they're at 500. 2-0 in the NFC North, best record in the NFC North. They're currently on the inside looking out as a playoff team. Jaron Hall is the backup quarterback, the rookie out of BYU. Nick Mullins is on the practice squad. So if you're Kevin O'Connell, what is the plan going forward if you're the Minnesota Vikings and are going to be without Kirk Cousins? Well, I don't think it can be Jaron Hall. Uh, I think you need someone, obviously he's in the system. He's the guy that know, knows it best. So I'm not sure that Kevin O'Connell is going to want to move on, but it's not just these last two games that 
the Vikings won because they beat the Bears a few weeks ago. So they've now won three games in a row. They're right in the thick of the playoff race. You can't just throw this season away, I don't think. You can't say Kirk Cousins is injured, we're done. Because I'm sure before the game started on Sunday, before you kick off against the Packers, you're kind of looking at the next few weeks. They were playing the Falcons in Week 9, the Saints in Week 10, the Broncos in Week 11, the Bears in Week 12 before Week 13 by. Those are all very winnable games if Kirk Cousins is your quarterback where you could conceivably get to 8-4. and four. Now, you probably don't feel that way, but here is what I would do if I am Kevin O'Connell. This, These are the top four guys I would go after. Number one, Carson Wentz. Uh, that is only because if you make a trade, you're going to have to give something up. So I'm probably targeting the guy that I can get in free agency, and I don't have to give anything up, and I don't think he's – uh, a step, a huge step down from what's available out there. So rather than give up draft compensation, I'm going to look to free agency first. After that, I'm going with my boy, Andrew Gregory Dalton at number two, Jameis Winston at number three, and Teddy Bridgewater at number four. But of course, you'd have to trade for Dalton Winston or Bridgewater. But I do think the Vikings have to do something. The thing is, they barely have 24 hours to figure this out because the trade deadline's Tuesday at 4 p.m. So Brinson... What do you think? Should they make a trade? Should they sign Carson Wentz? Should they just roll with whatever's on their roster, snap the ball to Jordan Addison because he's been crushing it? Uh, no, I think there's a couple other options that you could look at that would be a little less, a little more uh, cost effective. Colt McCoy spent several years with Kevin O'Connell in Washington, so he knows the system too. He's a free agent. You can go out and get him. Uh, he would make a lot of sense. Case Keenum is third on the depth chart in Houston. And remember, he's played in in Minnesota, Minneapolis Miracle, so maybe uh, he could make sense if you wanted to trade for him. And then they also have Nick Mullins, who's on IR. Uh, it has one more week that he's got to sit out before he's eligible to come back from IR, plus Sean Mannion on their practice squad. I think some, like, amalgamation of those guys, like, a, since it's Halloween, like a Frankenstein, some Frankenstein monster that Kevin O'Connell patches together where, you know, as you point out, Breach, you are currently, you know, the seventh seed in the NFC. You're four and four. Um, playing all these games <laughs> except for today, right? The first time you're not in this one score game, you're up by two scores, of course. Uh, when when Kirk Cousins gets hurt, if you read the quotes out of Minnesota, man, I mean, like, I know that like we've all everybody we've all sort of dunked on uh, Kirby for for years, but like Kevin O'Connell was su suggesting that this is his this was his best professional season in his career. Kirk Cousins, that is. Uh, Garrett Bradbury, my boy, was like, dude, it's devastating when he's not out there. He, Kirk Cousins had never missed a game because of injury. Uh, he sat out a week uh, week seventeen, I guess, uh, game when the Vikings had clinched a playoff spot. And then in 2021, he missed a game because of COVID, but he's never missed a game because of injury in his career. Like he is one of the most reliably healthy guys in the NFL. And he was playing really good football. Uh, I think he was second in the NFL in or top, top three in the NFL in passing yards and passing touchdowns. And as you said, breach, the schedule was easy. Four games going to the bye at the Falcons versus the saints at the Broncos and versus the bears. Now, the Falcons are, are sort of up and down. The Bears are playing a little bit better at times. Uh, depends on when Justin Fields is back. And and then Denver's looked Denver's looked better the last couple of weeks. Uh, but I think the real dagger here is that the Vikings defense has been playing great football the last couple of weeks. Uh, and I, I mentioned this um, uh, earlier in the week on the podcast, but Harrison Smith was on the Pat McAfee show and just talking about how you know even as a veteran that he – it took him a while to sort of pick up Brian Flores' defense. And like, there's a lot of new stuff that he was sort of learning and that all these guys were sort of learning. And now you know, they feel like they're starting to click. And it's just such a dagger because 
you know, we, we're all sort of crapping on this Minnesota team after that slow start. And maybe, you know, the weekend NFC with a healthy Kirk Cousins and the defense is playing well and Justin Jefferson coming back, you feel like they could have made a run. It's it's tough to see now, but uh, apparently just a 0.9 difference in terms of their win total, according to our sports side projections, which is kind of mind blowing. Uh, can yeah. I ask Wilson one thing? Wilson? Yes. Should Kevin O'Connell call up his former teammate, Tom Brady? <laughs> uh, you know, the, the Vikings, ugh, no. I, I don't think Tom would be would be down with that. Um, also, the ownership stuff that you've talked about in the past with the Raiders that may, may I still, I still don't think I still don't think he's um, – that hadn't been cleared yet, I don't think. Well, and real quick, that was a fun fact. Uh, uh, Kevin O'Connell got drafted in 2008 and spent his rookie with the Patriots. Tom Brady. I thought you were going to say that uh, Kevin O'Connell was going to actually suit up. This does stink, though, too. because I actually I said this a couple times over the course of, of the afternoon and, and late evening. Kirk Cousins is the best player on this team, and I say that fully understanding that Justin Jefferson's also on this team. But Jordan Addison has stepped up with Jordan Jefferson being down. Yeah. And while there's been some loss in production, obviously Jordan Addison has taken on that role. There is no Jordan Addison to take over for Kirk Cousins. And I think Nick Mullins makes sense in terms of being on the roster, but this is a huge step down no matter who it is, whether it's inside or outside the organization. And it absolutely sucks because to Brent's point, this is the best Kirk Cousins has played. And I've actually said this numerous times over the first two months that there's been no reason to call him Kirby, which is what we used to call him when he would throw the, the predictable fourth quarter interception, uh, usually in prime time. He beat the crap out of the 49ers in prime time. And then he's, you know, curb stomped the, the, the Packers team. So that's the Vikings are a winner today. And they are actually probably the biggest loser, sadly, because of Kirk Cousins' situation. Um, I do want to say another quarterback that, that left the game. And Brentson, I'll come to you because this is your dude. Matthew Stafford, probably the toughest person on planet Earth. I don't I don't understand why he bangs his hand twice and then you throw him a swing pass on a two-point conversion. Maybe Sean McVay is treating him the much much the same way Kevin Stefanski was treating Baker Mayfield towards the end of his career. But he came out, Brett Ripon came in. That game had long been decided. It was over at halftime. Uh, this team struggled last week against the Steelers. They obviously lost against the Cowboys. What's the prognosis for the Rams going forward with all these injuries? Um, I think it's a problem. And um, I, I, I can't, I can see guys with some, I, I, I don't have a black eye. I'm just, I'm just throwing something on for Halloween purposes. We established that at the top of the show, try to show up on time. If you're going to complain about what we're wearing, nobody's asking about breaches. Right, stay focused. Stay focused. Pull over. Talk, talk about um, I know. I am. I'm going on a rant against the commenters. This is, a, this is classic Brentson. <laughs> no, I love dude, the Halloween Stafford, Back to Matthew it Stafford. Even, it wasn't even banging against the helmet. His thumb went inside somebody's helmet or like going forward, like went inside the face mask. And you could tell he's just like, oh my God. And they throw him that pass on the two point conversion. Um, like, it, dude is just tough as nails. And I, if, if it's like you look at Justin Herbert playing on um, Sunday or Sunday night, and he's got the left injury to his left hand. It's been bothering him, but he's been working through it and he's been adjusting to it, et cetera, et cetera. Stafford, as tough as he is, it's going to be impossible 
to like be able to play with a right thumb injury, but just because of like how much you need that to grip and control and all of that. And I'm I'm sure he'll try and fight through it, but it's like I'm concerned that this is going to cause major issues for the Rams' offense and Matthew Stafford's uh, accuracy and his ability to get the ball out and 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 deliver on time. And and I you know I mean if you're look the Rams, I'm not saying the Rams are like dead or anything like that, but you know I, this mm. is certainly a, uh, a a tough spot when you're you're three and five now. Because you lose, you know, you lose that game. You get blown out by Dallas. You're you're at Green Bay. You it's a must win game at Green Bay in Week Nine before you're by. Then you got uh, two straight divisional games against the Seahawks and the Cardinals. Like if if you can beat Green Bay and you get to the bye, and then Stafford's fine after the bye, then the Rams can get right back in the mix here in the NFC. All right, yeah. So Kenny Pickett also went down, replaced by Mr. Bisky. Mr. Bisky came in and threw an interception. Predictable. Tyra Taylor went out. Tommy DeVito came in. Syracuse's own. By way of Illinois, uh, he uh, he and Tyrod combined for negative forty-seven yards. It was slightly better than that, but it wasn't much better. They lost in overtime to the Jets. Here we go, Reach. I'm going to come to you because he, here's my talking point. I'm going to lump the Chiefs in the Broncos. Uh, we just lose Wilson. All right, Wilson is frozen. Well, are, and- are you are you Reach? Are you more worried about the Chiefs losing to the Broncos or Ryan Wilson's internet issues? Uh, I am more worried about Wilson's internet issues. You know, the crazy thing is, is that the Chiefs made sure to leak out before this game started that Patrick Mahomes has the flu or has been very sick. And if we even got it, even got it blamed on his family, like his children and his wife. (laughs) That's what. Hey, you have kids; they get you sick. And, And so, I think the thing with the Chiefs, though, is that's why I don't really think anything about this loss per se. Obviously, you don't want to lose the Broncos. That's not a great loss at all. But when you're talking about Patrick Mahomes, he played like he was sick. I mean, I'm sure some people thought, hey, he's going to have a Michael Jordan flu game. Well, this was the opposite of that because he certainly did not have a Michael Jordan flu game. He was flustered. The Broncos had him on the run. He couldn't run around as well as he would have liked. He threw a couple picks, and the offense just looked totally out of sync, and I just attribute that to Mahomes being sick. So if they show up to Germany on Sunday and Patrick Mahomes still has the flu, well, first, that's bad that he's had the flu for a week. They probably need to look into that first. Uh, But if he shows up to Germany and they struggle against the Dolphins, then I think you start to have problems. But as far as I'm concerned, not worried about the Chiefs at all yet. This is just... Put the asterisk asterisk there uh, with Mahomes being sick. Chiefs minus two and a half, by the way, against the uh, Dolphins early line there Ooh. on that uh, Sunday morning game in Germany. Yeah, I mean, I think I think it's definitely like a, a, a sickness thing. I know that um, Mike McDaniel said that the Dolphins are going to leave Monday to arrive Tuesday in Germany, I believe. And so, like, that's that's getting there. Uh, that's getting there early. Um, I'll be very curious what the Chiefs do because you've got this situation where you do have a you do have a sick. Mo- like, I don't I don't put a whole. I mean, like Mahomes Mahomes was playing like he looked like he was sick. Like he looked like he was like he wasn't you know he wasn't accurate. He wasn't um, decisive most of the time. He looked like he was sort of lethargic and um, and look it's it's fine. You know the Chiefs are now six and two. Um, I think it's almost like a bigger story that the Broncos managed to beat the Chiefs in that streak. Um, you know, you you in Patrick Mahomes was 25 and 0 in his career against teams that were two games or more below 500. Um, he was 16 and 0. I heard this that I think this is real. He was 16 and 0 on the in road division games in his career until this thing and then he was the longest streak in NFL history. I'm assuming Brady's the other one. Brady's the longest. Joe Montana. 
Oh, no interesting. Way. Good call. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, like that's um, so. Like, I think I think Denver has in a very big way. And Russ looked all right. Russ threw you know a, a couple of nice passes there, a couple of touchdown passes. And I think that generally speaking, the Broncos have uh, done a done a pretty good job of getting off the mat. I mean, when they when they got that seventy bomb dropped on them uh, by the by the by the Dolphins, it was like, oh man, this is this is they were a historically bad defense, and now it's sort of like people people are, are ready to fire Sean Payton. Yeah, people want to show Peyton on the hot seat. Right, exactly. Um, maybe a more concerning situation breach. The San Francisco 49ers. I feel free to gloat. Your Bengals taking care of business. Four and three now after beating the Niners in, in pretty impressive fashion. Joe Burrow looks to be 100% coming out of the bye. They got Buffalo on Sunday night, and like they beat Buffalo and they're five and three, and suddenly they might be the best team in football all of a sudden, you know, like, like out of nowhere when we thought they might be dead. And meanwhile, the 49ers, who we were all calling the best team in football, do they have breach a Brock Purdy problem? I do think they do. The one thing I'll say about the Bengals really quickly, because obviously I do have to quote, is that, man, our panic level was at eight and a half when they were 0-2, and, and now Joe Burrow is healthy. Now they're 4-1 and one in their past five games. And look, there was one play in the first quarter, I think maybe the Bengals' first possession. It was third and 10 for the Bengals. Joe Burrow got hit like seven different times. And if he had his injured calf, he would have gone down in a second. Play is over, but instead he scrambled out, made a 10-yard completion, got the first down, and right there, it was game over. It just felt like old Joe Burrow's back. This is the guy the Bengals needed all year, and you could really see the difference of what happens when Joe Burrow's able to extend plays is the Bengals' offense is just so much better, and we saw that with uh, just his scrambling ability. I mean, he had 43 yards rushing against the 49ers when he had, I think, one scramble in the first two weeks of the season because yeah. he was afraid to run on his bad calf. As for Brock Purdy, uh, I, I do think you have to be a little bit worried if you're a 49ers fan. I think one of the things uh, that we found out is that, look, his kryptonite right now is that he is not good when the 49ers are tied or trailing in the second half, and especially bad in the fourth quarter specifically. We have a graphic up if you're watching on YouTube where in games where Brock Purdy and the 49ers are trailing or tied in the second half, Purdy has three touchdowns compared to seven interceptions. Uh, his passer rating, 72.2. When the 49ers are leading, he has eight touchdowns, zero interceptions, and his passer rating is 129.5. So he's a completely different quarterback. And the thing here is that the 49ers are so reliant, uh, not even on game script, but, I, I mean, Purdy is on the very high end of a game manager. I mean, that's what Kyle Shanahan wants. But when you're trailing, the game managing is out. You have to make plays to get your team back in it. And Purdy has not shown that he's able to do that. And now we're on a three-game losing streak. Brenton, are you it, concerned? It, yeah, yeah, very concerned. I think, too, Breach, to your point and to that graphics point, with Purdy, have this situation where it's not just him and his struggles when the Niners are trailing. It's also Kyle Shanahan having to call certain plays. Like Kyle Shanahan's playbook, when he's got a lead, he gives him the ability to call this stuff that you're running the football because you're trying to, you know, you're, you've got a lead, you're running the clock out, and you're trying to, you're trying to, you know, you're trying to get downhill on teams and, and keep the clock moving. And then you can use your play action off of that. When you're trailing by two scores against an aggressive Bengals defense, and Louis Arumo has been over the past like several years one of the absolute best defensive coordinators at making in-game adjustments 
adjustments and like and adjusting to what offenses are doing. Um, and, and when you're when you're in that situation, you're trailing against a Lou and a Rumo defense. It's just really really tough to uh, you know to 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 call those plays for a guy like Brock Purdy, who is, as you point out, a high-end game manager. Uh, Wilson, I'm curious. One, I know that you mentioned uh, Joe Burrow was the second-leading rusher on HQ. You mentioned this. Second-leading rusher on the Bengals team. And um, so thoughts on Burrow, who I believe you listed as your big winner uh, on HQ with Joe Musso before the show. And then two, uh, panic level on Brock Purdy. I'll start with Brock Purdy. Uh, I I think we're seeing passive-aggressive breach about Brock Purdy, and I get it. Reaches happy. Wait, what? Why would he be passive aggressive about Brock Purdy? I'm just saying that he's lost three straight games, and a lot of it's been because he's turning the ball over, Wilson. So let's. I see that old Harry's putting the graphic back up. Harry's. Thanks, uh, Harry. Harry's, I am. I am. I, and, well, Harry made the point too in the chat about the the concussion thing too. And I heard Tim Hasselback real briefly right before he stopped on the podcast. It's like you, they, the NFL stopped letting players. The Purdy's been the first guy, um, but like to come back. From this, from a concussion suffered like the week before or during the week, et cetera. And like Tim Hasselbeck noted that you do have to be like thinking quick. You have to be thinking quickly and to be on your toes and like you need to be sharp headed and, and like, and, and like, you know, your mind is racing when you're a quarterback out there. And so maybe that is, you know, maybe that is a, a, a situation for that the 49ers should have thought about. And maybe so they should have played uh, Sam Darnold. So, um, Last week, those two interceptions came after the concussion. So, and before that, he had actually played pretty well those first three quarters. And you can argue about the the throws and who was at fault. He threw the interception, so he has to own those. And that lost to Minnesota. The Jermaine Pratt play was a fantastic play. I I'm not going to put that up. on Purdy. Uh, Logan Wilson made a fantastic play. Terrible throw. But Tom uh, Tony Romo actually talked about this on telecast. It looked like Logan Wilson was going to go in the other direction, and then he he sort of did the old 180 on him and, and pulled the fast one. All those are his interceptions. He has to own them. I don't think he is playing to the point where Kyle Shanahan should be concerned. Now, whether I'm a, I'm based on just what my eyes have told me, Sam Darnold would have started if Kyle Shanahan didn't think that Brock Purdy couldn't do it. And Brock Purdy made some pretty good throws uh, in this game as well. As for Joe Burrow, Breach, I don't know if you if you saw this, but the most efficient quarterback in Bengals history, surpassing someone named Ken Anderson, one of my favorite players growing up, along with Jim Breach, of course, and uh, Carson Palmer, 28 to 32, 283, three touchdowns. You mentioned the rushing, second leading rushing. And by the way, uh, we'll, we'll mention this brief, um, brief. I'll ask you this quickly, and then we can move on. But the Bengals have struggled running the ball all year. Joe Mixon got going, and of course, Joe Burrow did his part. Do you have to feel a little better about a little the balance now that we've seen on this offense, especially against that 49ers defense? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I wondered where this balance was when Joe Burrow was actually hurt. I mean, that's when they should have been running the ball. The Bengals running numbers, half the reason they've been down is because they just don't run the ball. They weren't running the ball. And one of the reasons they did that is because Joe Burrow had to take every snap out of shotgun while he was injured. And that became an issue with the run game. So I didn't think the Bengals run game was bad in the first few games because it was actually bad. It was just because of the way the offense had to be run due to Burrow's injury. I mean, that injury was ruining everything. It was causing havoc. And so now everything's back to normal, and I think they your will life. be good going forward. Your happiness, your life, so happy. Cincinnati chili, everything. All right. Let's go to our nation's capital, where it looked like Ron Rivera, Eric Bieniemy, Sam Howell were going to pull the upset. Instead, all we got was the old push-push failure. 
looked like Jason Kelsey didn't get the ball into Jalen uh, Jalen Jalen hurts his hands uh, down in the red zone. Washington recovered. That was uh, one of the early on that Washington looked good. That was a late highlight uh, for Washington. This thing started to sour uh, as perhaps we thought they may. Um, where are we, Brinson, uh, on the Eagles? Because I feel better about the Chiefs than I do about the 49ers. I feel better about the Eagles than I do about the 49ers. But I don't feel great about the the, the Eagles right now. Well, I, I don't know that I'm, like, panicking on the Eagles quite yet. The, the, for whatever reason, these two Commanders games have just been close. Like, the Commanders have just sort of had the Eagles number, and we're like, well, the Eagles passing game is really struggling, and then they go out and they have last week, and they look the passing game looks really good, and then Jalen Hurts goes 29-38 for 319, four touchdowns, and A.J. Brown catches two, Devontae Smith catches one, Julio Jones gets one on a, on a, on a red zone target. Like, I don't know. The passing game was uh, passing game was pretty awesome on Sunday. And credit to Sam Howell, thirty nine to fifty two. I keep asking him to throw fifty two times, three hundred ninety seven yards and four touchdowns to four different receivers: Jahan Dotson, Jamison Crowder, Terry McLaurin, and Logan Thomas. I mean, this is just sort of a, a divisional game. You know, it's the second time these two teams have matched up. Surprising that you score that many points because usually the second divisional game uh, you you tend to see lower lower scoring. Uh, lower scoring outcomes because the, the two teams sort of have time to adjust. Um, but I think, I think to me, I, I'm not, fr- I'm not, I'm the Eagles just keep finding ways to win in, 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 a, in a fashion. Like the Niners aren't finding ways to win, right? They lose those three games and you know that like this passing game for the Eagles can be elite and it's gotten going the last two weeks. So uh, not, not, not too much of a concern on Philly. I think it's very possible that uh, our early assertion that there were X number of elite teams in the NFL. Um, maybe those teams haven't, maybe those teams, the Chiefs, the Eagles, um, the Niners, Bills, Bengals, Ravens. I don't know, like throw whoever else you want to know, Dolphins. Like maybe they haven't, maybe they haven't, maybe there's not nearly as much separation from these elite, quote unquote, elite teams and the rest of the pack. Well, I think the lesson is that we shouldn't overreact each week. And Breach, I'll give you this stat. And, <laughs> and you, yes. can, you can you can take it wherever you want to. Uh, sixth straight game that Arthur Juan Brown Jr., known as A.J. Brown, has had at least 125 uh, or more receiving yards. He has slight, like 100 fewer receiving yards. He has 2,200 receiving yards since he arrived via trade. Uh, the Titans team since that same span has 2,300 receiving yards. Yeah, I mean, he arguably had the catch of the year when he had that one-handed touchdown kind of in the corner I don't even know how he caught it and and that's the thing is that AJ Brown makes Jalen Hurts look good this year where when you have a receiver who can make these acrobatic catches where that's an incomplete pass most of the time no with AJ Brown it's a touchdown it's really been unbelievable because I've been watching Jalen Hurts he still looks injured he's playing like he looks injured and I mean he only ran for six yards in this game and he just wasn't looking to take off and the thought is, well, he didn't need to because he was throwing so well. He threw for 319 yards and four touchdowns, but he even looked uncomfortable throwing it. And like Brinson said, this could just be a case where the commanders kind of match up well with the Eagles because they always seem to be in the game. They beat them. Uh, they, they beat them once last year. And then obviously when these two teams played earlier in the season, went into overtime. So these two teams just play tight games and and the Eagles could not get a pass rush on Sam, Sam Howe is the most sacked quarterback in the NFL this year on pace to be the most sacked quarterback in NFL history and the freaking Eagles only sacked him one time so it's just unbelievable to see things like that and the one thing I will say about the failed tush push is that it really feels like the Eagles are playing 4D chess 
And the rest of the NFL is over here in a corner playing like boggle where they're just so far ahead because we saw them. Sure, there's a failed tush push. Oh, but did you see the fake tush push with the sweep for the easiest touchdown in the history of the world? Now they're running fake tush pushes that you have to defend against. So you can't cram everybody into the middle because they might do the same thing to you. And now if you're spread out, that's going to be the easiest yard ever for them to get. Eagles are just what I mean, they're seven to one. They have the best record, I think they're the best team in the NFC easy, maybe the NFL right uh, now. By the way, if you see me smiling for the rest of the podcast, you're wondering what is Brinson smiling about? I can't stop. Someone asked his breach dressed up as pickle Rick. <laughs> I can't stop laughing at the idea of you actually being dressed up as pickle Rick from Rick and Morty. Too good. Too pickle. good. All right. We'll think about that over the break. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk about a team. We mentioned briefly a moment ago in the Cowboys. And we'll talk about All right. the best quarterback in the NFL right now. Will Levis right after this. Did you know that while over 60% of Americans dream of starting their own business, less than 20% of them take the first step? The reason? Building a business is tough. Taylor Brands is simplifying the business journey. From launching and managing to growing your business, Taylor Brands isn't just another tool. It's your online business partner from launch to success. With Taylor Brands, building your dream business becomes an effortless experience. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, ensuring you have everything you need in one place. From LLC formation to bookkeeping, invoicing to acquiring licenses and permits, and even setting up your bank account, Taylor Brands handles it all seamlessly. And our listeners will receive 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans using our link, taylorbrands.com slash CBS Sports. That's T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A-N-D-S dot com slash CBS Sports. So start your business journey today with Taylor Brands. Breach, I'll ask you first. Uh, I think Mike McCarthy probably feels some vindication after moving on from Kellen Moore. This team <laughs> looks legit. Uh, four 20-point wins in the first seven games for the first time since 1969 for the Cowboys. Fourth win by 20-plus points this season. Uh, coming into this game, by the way, the Chargers were Kellen Moore's OC uh, before they whooped up on the Bears. They were averaging 19.3 points per game in their last three games. So uh, a disparity there in terms of the, the points being scored. Dak Prescott looks to be in his Dak Prescott best form. Uh, CD lamb is doing his best. Arthur Juan Brown jr. Imitation. He went absolutely off. The Rams were overpowered early. They were down 33 to three at one point. Uh, are the Cowboys, you just mentioned the Eagles. I think the Cowboys are, are making some noise in the NFC and they're not better than the Eagles, but I don't think they're as far behind as we probably thought they were a couple weeks ago. Yeah. I think the thing with the Cowboys though, is that you rarely see this in the NFL anymore is that they're just so much better at home. They're like the one team in the NFL where home field advantage actually means something. I think uh, the stat is that they've won all of their home games by at least 20 points, and the first team to do that uh, in their first three home games since the Steelers in 2007. So you're talking about it's been a long time since a team has been this dominant home. You put them on the road, they lose the Arizona Cardinals. They get smoked by the 49ers. So uh, just because of losses like that, it really doesn't want to, I don't feel comfortable putting them in the upper tier with the Eagles. I still think they're in tier two. I still think they're in a conversation for top three teams in the NFC, probably top five in NFL says breach bot, but pretty good. I cannot put them in that top tier just yet. Just they, they need to go out and win a road game, but this was an amazing win. And for Dak Prescott to kind of bounce back, because I feel like he is the most beleaguered quarterback in the NFL. People will talk trash about yeah. Dak Prescott whenever he, if he doesn't play an A-minus game 
it, it could be B-level game. He just gets trashed on social media. Cowboys fans hate him right away. Let's go find someone else. 304 yards, four touchdowns, only six incompletions. He looked fantastic. And if he keeps playing like this, I mean, maybe they get to at least the NFC championship game for the first time since 1995. But yeah, I do, Wilson, I think what you said about getting rid of Kellen Moore, that McCarthy seems to be coming much more comfortable. Uh, and, and this offense looks awesome. Yeah. And it is fair to say, all right, look, you know, uh, Jerry wanted McCarthy to keep Kellen Moore. You know, that was the offense that Dak was used to running. And now he, he, and I mean, when you switch play callers like that and the head coach, is taking over the play calling, even if he's been there for a few years. I mean, that's that's really more of like an offensive, like schematic switch than it is, and like and like the style of play calling and what to expect. Like that's a bigger transition, I think, than, than maybe we gave it credit for. And there's plenty of examples of Mike McCarthy having uh, success as a play caller in Green Bay, of course. Um, I think the one thing about the Cowboys, you know, you see this game where you have a, um, you know, you have an early pass from Dak, you got a pick six. You got a punt block for a safety. C.D. Lamb career game in this one. Um, and just like the Rams couldn't really get it going. Uh, Matthew Stafford, of course, got injured. And, and, the, and the, the Cowboys just overpowered him. And it's, for me, the 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 one the one hangup I have with, with what uh, Breach, it's sort of basically the same thing Breach said. It's like, yeah, they have a bunch of these 20-point wins. But it's like, have they beaten it? it like, you look at him, you're like, oh, you lost to the Cardinals, though. And then, like, you just got drubbed by the 49ers. And granted, in the three weeks since then, that, 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 that loss doesn't look as bad or it looks worse. I'm not even sure which one. Um, what's the wins over Wilson number, the point spread? I know what it is. I'm curious what you think, Wilson. The point spread for Cowboys at Eagles uh, in week nine, 425 game, uh, presumably featuring Greg Olson and Kevin Burkhardt on Fox. I assume that's. I'm trying to uh, meld the win wins over Wilson with the actual line. I feel like a, a plus three and a half feels about the, the neighborhood. My Eagles minus three is the correct answer. So you're yeah. Okay. Ooh. So, that feels, so let, me, let me back up I a little bit. I kind of love the Eagles there, honestly. I don't. Okay. Let's back up. I want to ask you this as, as you were going through what you, by the way, I, I don't know if you talked about it while, while my uh, internet was, was freaking out here, but I probably did. The, the, the Seahawks no, are number one, number one in the MC West. As we, as <laughs> we, we did figured. not talk about that. Which is fantastic. And I bring that up because I'm looking at the standings here. So are you taking Philly's number one? So you're taking Philly over Dallas. Are you taking Seattle over Dallas neutral field? Mm, I think we're really close. Breach? Well, see, when I say I'm not putting the Cowboys in the top tier, if if (laughs) Philly and Dallas were playing in Dallas, I would pick Dallas. But if they're playing on a neutral field, I don't even know. I I, I don't know. I don't know. All right. So is Dylan Hurts healthy? Yeah, he's he he's of course he is. He's always healthy. Detroit or oh, Dallas? You're you're so you're saying the elite teams in the NFC are just, it's just Philly right now, right? Breach? Yeah, I think oh. Dallas, like I said, is close to the conversation. I don't, I'm not I don't quite have okay. them up in tier one, but I think Detroit, like there's elite teams. All right, well, I'll, I'll end on this. Dallas or San Francisco right now, as both teams are currently constituted, because San Francisco is a sixth seed, which is bonkers to say out loud. I can't comment. It, San Francisco beat them 42 to 10. It's just. Okay. All right. No one wants to answer, have any answers, which is weird. I'm taking, I, I'm all in on Dallas right now. I, I apologize. I apologize to Kirk Cousins earlier this year. I think I'm apologizing to Mike McCarthy because it just feels like uh, the old timer. He's not old, but you know, he's been around the block a, a little bit. He got run out of Green Bay by Aaron Rodgers. He had to have his tail between his legs and he went to PFF for a year. And then we made fun of him when he came back and wasn't really doing the analytics stuff. And he's doing it his way now in his way. 
is sort of working. Breach, you're right. It works more at home than it does on the road. He took the scenic route to get there. He took the scenic route to get there. But I feel like he's there. And I feel better about oh, the Cowboys boy. than I felt about the Mike McCarthy's going to tear his Achilles next week on the sideline. Gosh. <laughs> By the way, uh, also, you may have mentioned this, maybe you didn't. But it, it's sort of weird that the player that the Jets were reportedly, everyone wanted them to trade for, also suffered the same injury as the guy they had who they thought was going to save their season, Aaron Rodgers and Kirk Cousins, which is uh, two crappy ways to end their their campaigns. But uh, it's something that that sort of stuck out to me. All right, so the Cowboys showed up today. Are they the real Cowboys? Breach is uncertain. I, sound, I think it's Bre- uh, Brinson may be uncertain. I'm all in on the Cow. I'm taking over Breach's Breach bot, uh, spot on the Cowboys can't bandwagon. Can't believe that. All right, Brinson. Robot, robot Ryan is back William the Cowboys. William Levis, the third, just made that up. Four touchdowns. Uh, by the way, without looking, Brinson, I'll ask you, how many touchdowns does Ryan Tannehill have this year through the air? Uh, two. We mentioned on the he broadcast several times. He had two. He got quadrupled up, doubled up. Doubled up. By old Will Levis there. He had four. The first touchdown was a great throw to D-Hop. The second one was a, cro- a little shallow there that D-Hop had to make a, a pretty tough catch on, but whatever counts. Two other touchdowns were down the field. They were pretty wide open. But again, credit to Will Levis. Absolutely balled out. I'm actually happy for him. And I told Pete this. Pete Prisco has been on Will Levis for, for what feels like years now. I said, Pete, I need you to quit talking to me about Will, Will Levis because I want him to do well. But you make me hate people that uh, I don't want to hate. A hundred percent, dude. It is. So I'm like, they're like cutting to Will Levis throwing bombs. I'm like, oh, Pete is going to be insufferable. Yeah, he makes it worse on people that you want to pull for. But go ahead. Talk about what Will Levis did and what this means, perhaps for the long term future of this franchise. I mean, look, I think that uh, what's weird is like Levis was behind Malik Willis in the preseason and in the offseason. It was clearly the number three quarterback, and he gets a first start. They bring in Willis on the first series, I think, on either third or fourth down. He fumbles, and so then Levis decides to start throwing bombs, and he's like, like what? I mean, I mean, you're the you're the draft guru, but I, I mean, I feel like the. Uh, the sort of the 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 overarching viewpoint of Will Levis was like this guy's got a cannon, more accurate than Anthony Richardson, but needs to work on the short yardage accuracy. Can certainly push the ball downfield, um, and then DeAndre Hopkins looks like old old school DeAndre Hopkins. Now you could have definitely called offensive pass interference on the first one. Uh, no, it's, it's just, no, that's okay. he, he scored a touchdown all year. Mauled. What's that? He hadn't scored a touchdown all year. He hadn't scored a touchdown all year. Let him have his moment. Well, he got three on Sunday. Um, yeah. And like, I think that it's, it, it's fascinating how something like this, and we'll see how long this Levis thing can keep going. But I mean, look, Will Levis is rumored to go number one overall. He was like minus 200 to go number one overall at one point during the draft process. Um, I can tell you pres- a quick, sorry to interrupt. Let me tell you this quick story though. Uh, after, uh, after day one, uh, I talked to some people that, that do such things. Day one of the draft. So day two, Will Levis has yet to be drafted. He gets drafted 33rd overall, the second pick of the, the second round. And I, I heard from a pretty reliable source that the Colts at number four were thinking it was either going to be AR5 or Will Levis. Like it, So yeah. Will Levis very easily could have gone fourth overall. Urshay was making them take a quarterback. So, right. And they, I think they took the right quarterback in Anthony Richardson. Obviously, he's hurt. But anyway, that's so it's not like he was going to be a second round pick. I had heard also that Will Levis's camp, quote unquote, was concerned that he might slip. And he did slip because he got by four. But don't be confused. He he had every chance to be a first round pick. Yeah. The, I mean, the, the issue was there were, um, 
there were a, there were not not a ton of teams desperate for a quarterback. Tennessee, yeah, Aaron Rodgers situation. Yeah, and there well there were three other guys that got drafted too, right? Except yeah, back then it was like just him and Alex Smith. Um, and and Levis slipped, and the Titan the Titans liked him. There was rumors that the Titans would trade up, it like uh, like further up in the first round to get Levis because they liked him. He's a Mike Vrabel type of guy. You know, Pete Briscoe, look, Pete Briscoe, we, we don't like when Pete is right. Nobody likes that. But uh, he, he also has been, you know, he, he, know, he knows football. He's been, he's kind of been pretty good spot on on quarterbacks lately. He nailed Justin Herbert, Josh, Josh Allen, uh, two quarterbacks with like a similar, you know, similar like big arm, um, you know, controversial type of uh, skill set, uh, you know, quarterbacks that, that, you know, he, he's an alpha, got fire in his belly. And if Levis is the guy, and it just, let's 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 just hold, you know, let's pause it a little bit and let's see how he does you know, moving forward over the next few weeks because there's not a ton to work with. Although it does sound like Hopkins and now Tan- and now uh, Derrick Henry won't be traded, which is a huge plus if you're Will Levis. If he if he's the guy, this changes everything about the Titans, who look like they might be in a free fall to tank for uh, you know for Caleb Williams or Drake May. Well, yeah, I don't know what their quarterback situation is going to be. Breach, let let me ask you quickly before we move on because you are a national correspondent. Uh, what is the the temperature on Will Levis after uh, this performance? If you've been out and about on town with your pickle suit on, and number two, what's going to happen Thursday night when Will Levis has to go to Pittsburgh and beat the crap out of the Steelers without? Uh, well, the temperature is that everyone loves him, and the question, the answer to question number two is that no one is going to love him after Thursday night. Uh, look, this felt like Will Levis said, "We have this great receiver, DeAndre Hopkins. I'm just going to chuck up a couple balls to him." Because you look at not hard. Exactly. And and maybe Ryan Tannehill needs to take some notes from the rookie quarterback. Because you'll get Levis to the rest of the game. He threw for 110 yards when he threw to ev- any receiver not named DeAndre Hopkins. Mike Tomlin's a smart coach. The Steelers have a good defense. What are they going to do? You know what? Let's make sure this guy doesn't throw it to DeAndre Hopkins. And uh, let's see how he plays then. And so I do think that Levis is going to get... Uh, He's going to struggle against the Steelers defense. Maybe he throws a couple long bombs. But I think the most interesting, and not to kind of go down another rabbit hole here, but do the Falcons have a QB issue here? I mean, I know that Desmond Ritter didn't play in the second half due to a concussion, but let's not forget, in the first half, the Falcons did absolutely nothing. They scored three points. They totaled 89 yards. Taylor Heineke plays the second half. Brings them back in the game. They total 253 yards, and he was moving the ball up and down the field. If you're Arthur Smith, you have to at least consider letting Heineke have another start, maybe? Well, well, he, Heineke didn't have a single start yet. Or um, let him start a game. And I'm not saying I'm not saying that he shouldn't consider it. I'm just telling you what I think Arthur Smith is going to do which is keep starting Desmond Ritter. He said after the game, Des was not pulled for for, for, for performance purposes or reasons. It was because he didn't feel like he was right out there, that he'd suffered what they thought might be a concussion. He was uh, went into the concussion protocol, was evaluated, was cleared, and went back out there. And Arthur Smith just didn't feel like he was right. Now, I'm not saying saying he won't change his mind later this week. I just, and I'm not saying they don't have a problem. I'm just saying I think Arthur Smith is all in on Desmond Ritter. By the way, uh, just shave the beard. You could be Arthur Smith for Halloween. All right, let's go to the Chargers. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty good. Where prior to Sunday night's whooping of the Chicago Bears, Justin Herbert last three games, four touchdowns. Yay, four interceptions. A boo. Also mentioned they had been averaging 19.3 points a game until this 30-burger they dropped on the Bears. 
Uh, Brinson, I'll ask you, should we feel good about the Chargers winning what felt like a week ago, two weeks ago, should be a get-right game? But by the time the game rolled around, it felt like a trap game. Like, you didn't know what was going to happen. The fact that they got up early, no surprise. The fact that they didn't blow it late is a huge surprise. Uh, by the way, coming into this game, the only team worse than them in the AFC in that conference was the New England Patriots. That's how far this team has fallen. Brandon Staley looking at the weight, had the weight of the world on his shoulders. I think he feels a little better now. Uh, are the Chargers a team not necessarily to be reckoned with? In the same breath as, say, the, the Bengals. But I, I feel like, if nothing else, they won a game in the NFL. That's a positive, right? <laughs> yeah, they, they handled a bad Bears team with Secret Bajit Man. And if people think that we were high on, on Tyler Bajit, it's more like Tyson. high on the nickname. Secret. T -t what is his name? I keep saying Tyler. It's, it's Secret Tyson. Like, like Mike Tyson. Tyson. Tyson Bajit. Look, see, Secret Bajit Man. Um, the, Bear, the, the Chargers blew him out. The Chargers are now, uh, along with the Raiders, Titans, and Texans, three and four, and just a game out of uh, a playoff spot. The AFC, this sort of the, the the wild card spots here. You got Buffalo at five and three, Pittsburgh and Cleveland at four and three, the Jets and Cincinnati right there on the outside looking in because of tiebreakers, and then those three teams at three or four four teams at four and three and four. Excuse me. Um, in the mix, and then you have the three and five Colts and the Broncos. I think it's be really interesting to watch how that plays out. And the Chargers have by far the biggest upside of all those teams below that are three or four or worse. They have Justin Herbert, who is inc incredibly talented. They have a ton of receivers, like dudes coming out of the woodwork. Even when you lose Mike Williams for the season, Keenan Allen, Quentin Johnston, um, you know, they had uh, who's the guy that scored the touchdown tonight that. Nobody rostered. Donald Parham's like 6'8", 275, and can like move like a wide receiver. They have Joey Bosa, Derwin James, you know, uh, Winfield, uh, 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 yeah, Winfield or Asante Samuel Jr. Like they got dudes on that team. Austin Eckler, when fully healthy, makes that offense go. And yeah, if the Chargers can get out of their own way, they are absolutely a contender and a, and a thing to be reckoned with. I just don't know if they can actually do that. Well, and to Brinson's point real quick, saying that Austin Eckler, when he's healthy, that's what makes the Chargers offense go. I think that there's so much truth to that. And coming back from his injury, this is his third game back. And in the two prior games, he was averaging just 54 yards from scrimmage per game. The Chargers are not going to win games with Austin Eckler averaging 54 yards from scrimmage. Uh, and then tonight, boom, he comes out, has 123 yards and a touchdown. And that's what they need from him. If he's putting up numbers like that, they're going to be competitive. They're going to be able to beat, crush bad teams, beat good teams, and be competitive with the great teams. So I think this team took a huge step forward. It's not easy to beat an NFL team by 17 points, even if it is the Bears. Yeah, and the Bears sort of shot themselves in the foot down the stretch there. They had the, I've never seen an onside kick touch every person's hand on the, on the team that was trying to recover the ball, and they still refuse to recover it. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're talking Eugene Cyril Smith III. Had an up and down day today, but as I mentioned uh, a moment ago, they are in first place in the NFC West. Wild times indeed. We'll talk about that right after this. All righty. If you're watching on YouTube, Breach has put on his hood, which means it is go time. We're down the stretch here. It's go like time. you're sitting in the stands at a Seahawks. Stand you know on. So... Little notes from uh, Harry here from the uh, the Seahawks game. First two drives for Geno Smith, six of eight, seventy eight yards, touchdown. They had fourteen points. Typical Geno. And then Geno, bad Geno showed up. Next eight drives, thirteen of twenty four, two interceptions. 
And woo boy, he 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 tried to throw some bad. He looked like PJ Walker out there. He went for PJ Walker's. He would ask PJ Walker for Halloween uh, for part of that game. And then the final drive, four, five, fifty-two yards, touchdown, and they scored there. It, it's it was an ugly game, and a game that I actually had to do a double take on because I thought they lost the game, and then uh, I had to be uh, reminded that they actually won the game. And these are the type of games it feels like Brenton that good teams win because you're going to have a couple of one-score games go both ways. Last year the Vikings won every single one-score game they came in contact with. This year, it was a little different. Where are you on the Seahawks? Are they indeed the best team in the NFC West? And if so, how far can they take this thing once we get to January football? I think the Seahawks are the most underrated team in the NFC. Maybe the NFL. Don't hate it. I'm trying to think who would be more underrated in the AFC. I think it might be the the most underrated team in the entire NFL. Nobody really wants... The Bengals. No, I think the Bengals are four and three are properly rated. Why they okay. beat the Seahawks? Your underrated team in the battle of most underrated teams. That's true. Well, that means that they're probably going to be higher, more highly rated than the. No, everyone Bengals. gave up on the Bengals, Brinson. All right, continue your uh, your Seahawks. Yeah, we don't need to talk about the Bengals. No one cares. About uh, I mean, they 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 have done a tremendous job drafting over the last two years. True like that. the offensive line play they got for those guys last year, you see, and you saw it at the end of this game where Jackson Smith in Jigba makes the an awesome touchdown catch catch and run uh to get in the end zone to give them the lead and then on the final play that fourth and uh like fourth and 19 I want to say um Devin Witherspoon who is an like an absolute dog uh incredible in the run uh incredible, incredible in coverage and incredible against the run um he he goes out there and makes the pass breakup they just had these guys that over the last couple of years, two years specifically, these draft classes have contributed immediately. Uh, Zach Charbonnet, the the second round, I believe, running back, um, was making big plays down the stretch of this game. Gives him a very nice combination with Kenneth Walker, who they drafted last year. Uh, you have the you know, the, the offensive lineman that they pulled together, and then they signed Gino to that contract, and Gino's just a perfect fit for this team. He's like Russell Wilson before he became famous, basically. And he's like the humble, uh, you know, goes out there, plays in the system, makes clutch plays when he needs to, and he's got the receivers out there. Uh, I like the throwbacks, by the way. Good throwback yeah, day. The Titans throwbacks, throwback fantastic. Day. I yeah. love the throwbacks. Um, Prisco actually mentioned on Tuesday that he loved those throwbacks on the podcast. But I, what I liked the best breach was Pete Carroll's sweatshirt throwback. I really like that. So how far can this team go with Geno breach? Uh, I don't think they can win the Super Bowl, but get to the Super Bowl. The 49ers are falling apart at the seams, and there's no reason they can't win the NFC West. And you win the NFC West, maybe you get uh, you're only one game out of the number one seed and getting a first round bye. I mean, that's the part that seems unbelievable. I think that's where Brenton is coming from with the underrated talk because it doesn't seem conceivable the Seahawks could get the number one seed in the NFC, but they're right there. I mean, we're eight weeks in the season. The Seattle Seahawks are just a game out. So, yeah, I, I mean, this team can go far. i not sure. Just Geno's so streaky. That's why I don't think he can win the Super Bowl. But, I mean, I could certainly see them getting to the NFC title game. He I is think streaky, the, but I was just going to well, say, I, he is I, I, streaky, I think, but he is. I think the thing with the Super Bowl is, like, the bigger problem is the AFC, you're just going to get some sort of behemoth, whether it's the Bengals, the Chiefs, the Bills, the Dolphins, the Ravens, whoever it is. But the NFC, man, you look around, it's like Philly's obviously, you know, seven and one. Seattle's a two seed right now, five and two. Detroit, Atlanta, Atlanta's the four seed at four and four. Dallas, San Francisco, Minnesota. And then it's like New Orleans, Tampa Bay, and the Rams 
I mean, you're not going to have to go through a bunch of good teams to get out of the NFC. Well, it's we'll true. see. We, every week we, we change our minds on who's good and who's not. Um, one thing that won't change, the Panthers got to win today. I don't think there, unless there's a time machine in which CJ Stroud goes back and uh, rewrites history. Bryce Young was the best quarterback on the field, which is a wild thing to say because CJ's had a fantastic start to his season. Uh, unfortunately, Will Levis came along in week eight and, and was the best rookie quarterback. But uh, Bryce Young, shout out to him, 22-31, 235. Had a touchdown, a great touchdown pass to Tommy Trumbull in the back of the end zone. Uh, Brenton, you are the Charlotte correspondent. Why don't you tell us what Bryce Young did? Because he played really well in the Miami game, took the week off. Thomas Brown called the plays, and things seemed to – Slow going, but but they got there at the end, won that game by two points, fifteen thirteen. Yeah, I mean, I think it was sort of like a a we gotta get we have to win this one effort. Like I mean, as much as a game can be must win for an zero and sixteen, this this was a must win because your Bryce Young is playing against CJ Stroud. There's already all the conversations about, um, you know, like did Frank Reich want to pick CJ Stroud first overall and David Tepper make him, made him pick Bryce Young, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, the offensive line is still a problem. Their weapons still not great, but the defense played, uh, did, did a good job. And, and look, Houston, I think Houston's a good team. You know, uh, CJ yeah. Stroud's been awesome. D'Amico Ryan's a very good coach. That defense has been way better than people expected. Um, and, and so you have, Carolina now, I think it's kind of interesting. You've got the Colts, you know, coming out of the bye, you change the play callers. You got the Colts at home, and then you're at the Bears, Cowboys at home, but then at the Titans, at the Bucks, at the Saints, home against the Falcons. But there, I mean, look, this is not a good Panthers team. We can all agree on that. That is not up for debate. But the defense can slow people down, and they're going to get some questionable quarterbacks. So there's a there's there's a path for oh the Panthers. God, no, He's where the Panthers? It. No, no. I mean, well, I mean, there's a weird. Galaxy are you saying the brain. Panthers are going to make the playoffs? Is that no, 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 no? The path thing I was going to go with was the Panthers only give up a top ten pick to the Bears, not the first overall pick. Which I, I don't think I think we're really underestimating just how bad. If you give up the first overall pick and it's Caleb Williams and Caleb Williams is as good as advertised, and I don't know if he is, but like if you do that, like heads are rolling. Here's the thing, and we say this every year. People are going to overdraft quarterbacks because you are not going to win without a quarterback. So I understand in you know the 30,000-foot view why you would do it. Now, if you get the wrong guy, you get the wrong guy. But in the moment, no one knows that, and you just sort of roll with it. And next year matters, but in the sense that maybe we'll take a quarterback next year. But I was just I literally had this thought on Saturday. Did the Titans really need to draft Will Levis if they wanted a quarterback? Because they had they knew Ryan Tannehill was coming back. They had Malik, whatever. But even if they wanted a quarterback, maybe they wait till this year. Well, it turns out Will Levis had a great day. So you give up a lot to go from nine to one, no doubt about it. And maybe it does bite you. But no one is saying anything about CJ Stroud going number two and then the Texans trading up to number three to get Will Anderson and then giving up all they gave up because those guys are balling out. And that's that's sort of the takeaway. Right. Yeah. No, dude, if the Panthers were three and three and Bryce Young was playing well and was like a top and we're not like, talking about what? Yeah, exactly. It's it's a, yeah, yeah. It's a non if he wasn't like fifty five to one to win offensive rookie of the year after closing as a favorite, this isn't a conversation. But the Panthers are 0 and six. I'm just telling you, you you can like sort of like we can be like, well, let's just see where the draft order shakes out. You get to the damn draft and the Bears are picking first overall or to like end up trading that pick for a ton of like assets. And it was the Panthers. And, and like, it's just with David Tepper in charge. I think, I think this was a 
very, very, very much needed win for Carolina. Um, like, and if you you get the first one, and maybe maybe you pop off a couple, and all of a sudden it's like you get the pressure off. And look, by the way, this division sucks. Like it sucks. It is worse than advertised. The Falcons are four and four in first place. I'm just saying. Let me just say real quick, though, the end of this game was absolutely bonkers, starting with the fact that well, the Panthers had literally 166 total yards the entire game going into their final possession with six minutes left in the fourth quarter. They had given no one any reason to believe that they could drive the length of the field to get a game-winning field because their final drive started on their own nine-yard line. I'm sure uh, the Texans were in celebration mode, like, oh, this team's going to go three and out. They've done absolutely nothing. Uh, and yeah, the end of the game, I just wanted to point out because Eddie Pinero is out there trying to hit field goals. He hits one, uh, but there's a penalty on Houston. He hits another one, uh, but there's a penalty on Houston. So now he's out there trying his third game-winning field goal. Look, you get a kicker's head. You rough with them. You're blocking them. You're doing crazy stuff. But he hit all three, and uh, it was – if you have game pass, go watch the final five minutes because it's bizarre. Well, there, do you, Breach, on their, to your point, on, their, on the Panthers' previous – Three drives. Do you guys know how many total yards they had? Ten. Um, Eleven. No. Um, what is the negative twenty-two neg- plus? What is negative twenty-two plus eight? I believe that is. I believe that is negative. Uh, what fourteen? They had negative fourteen yards on their three drives leading up to that final game-winning drive, and it was just like, and it was like they made one, and then there was a the the the. the, the Texas were doing this like oh weird. Th- anyway, we don't have to talk about this. But the, the, as Breach pointed out, it was a crazy ending, and Pinero missed like like he made he had to kick a bunch, and if he pulls that one dead right, it is so freaking awkward. And he celebrated like the Panthers won the Super Bowl after after it happened. Well, it was the Super. They won a game, so that that is their Super Bowl. Speaking of mm-hmm. negatives, uh, Tyrod Taylor meltdown in the Meadowlands. Great headline from producer Harry. Tyrod Taylor had to leave the game. Uh, with, I believe, what were called rib injuries. Before he left, he was four of seven for eight yards, and you might think that's terrible breach. Tommy DeVito came in. Syracuse is <laughs> on Tommy DeVito. You know, Two of seven. On. No, it's not. Two of seven for negative one yard. So, uh, fewest pass yards in a game. Way to go, Giants. You were on the scoreboard not once, but twice. 2023, negative nine. Mm. 2021, negative six. Uh, so, breach, is this a... I suppose the Jets have to feel good about this. Give me your 30-second takeaway because we can't spend too much time on what this game means because, let's be honest, it, it doesn't mean a lot. Hell yeah, you feel good about it. You have a winning record with Zach Wilson as your quarterback. You did absolutely nothing for three and a half quarters offensively, and you are now four and three because he pulled off a freaking miracle with two 29-yard receptions on the final drive of regulation. The fact that that field goal happened to tie the game was the most improbable thing I saw all day. If, I, if you would have told me this happened, I wouldn't have believed it. If I would have watched video, I would assume you doctored the video to make it happen. There was no way. And it started because Graham Gano, who never misses, missed, or he missed earlier in the game, never misses from close, missed a 35-yard <laughs> field goal, missed a 35-yard field goal with 28 seconds left that kept the Jets in the game, made that all possible. Uh, yes, if I'm the Jets, I am thrilled by this because you're over 500. There's two great calls on this game. Uh, Andrew Catalan, uh, one of our colleagues at NFL and CBS, he goes, "This was the ugliest. This is the ugliest best game you will ever see." And then Bob Wachusen, uh, who works at ESPN, shout out, uh, love Bob, fish fan by the way. 
Um, he was, uh, he was, he was, he was doing the radio call for Jets Radio, and he was like, "The Jets have won." I don't really know how, but they won. And I mean, it was just like, I mean, just horrendous, horrendous football. Everything that you would expect from like a modern Jets Giants game. Um, it just, just bad, bad, bad. But yeah, I agree with Breach. If you're, you're the Jets, you Zach Wilson, you feel like you got a chance in the playoffs. Four and three, bad weather, bad football. Going to end on a happy note, though. All right, uh, I'll go with you, Breach, so Brinson can get his mind right. Breach VP, who you got? Uh, well, obviously, my Breach VP is the guy I share initials with. I'm John Breach. John He's Joe Burrow. You know what? From the moment he stepped off the plane wearing an alien suit, the guy had an alien mask on with his ch- cheesy NASA sweatshirt. Uh, it was all over for the 49ers because then he came out with an out-of-this-world performance. He completed oh, yeah. ni- 19 straight passes at one point. As Wilson said, one of the most efficient games in Bengals franchise history. So, of course, I'm going to give my breach VP to a Cincinnati Bengals player after a huge Bengals win that the Bengals really needed and the Bengals got. Brenton VP. I, I will, uh, my BVP will go to man that doesn't share initials with me, but who is, uh, I would, I love him like he is one of my family members, AJ Brown. Eight targets, eight catches, a hundred. Actually, I take that back. I'm going to switch. I'm going to do dual MVPs, dual BVPs. AJ Brown, AJ Brown, and CD Lamb. AJ Brown, eight catches, eight targets, eight catches, 130 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, first player in NFL history to have 125 receiving yards in six straight games. Wild broke uh, Megatron's record there. And then CD Lamb. Shout out to uh, our good friend and coworker Dave Richard, who uh, we had a trade in our dynasty league this past week, in which Dave sent me uh, CD Lamb and I sent him Mike Evans, Cooper Cup, and Alvin Kamara. I got like a future first round pick and all this stuff. And I had Dak Prescott and CD Lamb and beat his pants off in this in this uh, in this matchup this week after the trade. So CD Lamb, I love you. Also, like one of my, like you are a member of my family. Yeah, I knew. Breach once Brenton started thanking Dave Richard, something bad was going to happen today because never has there been a situation where Brenton thanks someone and then just Poor didn't go there. Poor Dave. You had to go with uh, by the way, us, right? That would be a good one. Wilson. This one's going to be even better. And you guys are missing layups left and right by not even calling out these two, these two fine young men. A little man by the name of Russell Wilson and Sean Payton. Yeah. Not only did they oh, win sure a game, they won it convincingly over the most overhyped. Sorry, football organization <laughs> that needed five turnovers to get there. But a uh, great win for Russ. Russ was exceedingly happy after the game. Justin Simmons, I think, has five interceptions against Patrick Mahomes over the course of his career, which is crazy burger. Uh, I don't think it means much for the, the Broncos. We just talked about that being the Jets Super Bowl or the, the Panthers Super Bowl, excuse me. That was definitely the, the Broncos Super Bowl because that's as close as they're going to get this year unless they buy tickets. Uh, but anyway, MVP. All around, congratulations to those who who were named tonight. You will be receiving your complimentary uh, Pick 6 Podcast sweatshirt. Look for that. That's it. That's a wrap. Week 8, Sunday Night Super Friends in the books. Don't worry. Back all next week. Trade deadline, Tuesday, 4 p.m. I think we're going to be on. Halloween. Halloween. Dress accordingly. In the meantime, you can check out the Pick 6 Podcast all week on YouTube and Info CBS or wherever you get your audio podcasts. Thanks to all of these, all of us, uh, all of you who hung out tonight. Post up the chat. We 
appreciate you, except for the ones Brenton was mad at. And uh, for Brenton, Breach. I like those people too. For producer Harry, I'm listening. We will see you next week.